Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me encourage you to take your Bibles and go to Exodus 19. Exodus chapter 19. And uh, as we look at our text this morning, I want you to I want you to think through some things with me. Here, here's what I need you to do. If, you, with, if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, you can go ahead and, and, and I want you to make this comment for me. I want you to say, uh, I'm a list maker. You know, if you're a list maker, you go on and tell us in the comments, I like list. Uh, I'm a list maker and cannot lie. Just, just go ahead and tell us because we want to do that. Because here's the thing. Uh, in our family, uh, both Pam and I are list makers, but we do list differently. Uh, Pam will make a list for everything, and she's wonderful. And I am so grateful for her her list because uh, likelihood is if it wasn't for her list, I'd, I'd be lost uh, because uh, sometimes she has to remind me or even write the list for me in some cases. Um, for example, this is, this is a week in which many people are traveling, and, and we, we know people are gone on vacation. Uh, we've got people who've gone to the beach this week. We've got other people who've gone to see a mouse this week. Uh, and likelihood, many people, when you're getting ready to make a, make a trip, you make a list of everything you need to, to pack and put in the bag, uh, from, from medicine to, uh, to deodorant to everything. Uh, and my, my wife will make that list, and she has that list running. Then... And I'm not that list maker that does that. I, I'm the, I, in that process, I'm the person who, who says, if I forget it, I can go get it someplace. For example, a few years ago, we went to the beach for vacation. Um, most of you know that my, I don't do sand, and so uh, I'm not going to sit all day long in the beach. I, uh, just, I'd rather sit on the balcony and enjoy the ocean from the view. Uh, but we got to the beach and realized I didn't pack a pair of swim trunks. And, you know, that's kind of a key thing if you're going to the beach, going to the pool, that kind of thing. Uh, but, again, me, I'll just run down the, down the street and pick up some. So I don't make lists, but Pam does a great job at lists like that. I make lists. Uh, my list is, is typically things I do every day. Uh, every Monday I'm going to pick up, uh, I'm going to ha- walk into the office, and I'm going to have uh, a, a to-do list for the week. Or t- or, and some of the times that list gets long enough that it flows over to the next week. And when I do that, uh, I find myself uh, making sure I, I, I kind of cover all the bases that I need to cover. Well, if, uh, last year there was a there was a group. Uh, it's a it's a it's a website called uh, uh, Unwritten, and they produced a f- four things why people should should make lists. And the website is really for uh, Gen, Gen X's and, and Millennials, or Gen Z's and Millennials. And uh, that what they're trying to do is help them navigate life. And so I thought it was funny that they came out with this list on, on four reasons why to make lists. Let me share them with you. The first one is list making can reduce anxiety. List making can reduce anxiety. Maybe you're a list maker because you know that you're just overwhelmed with all the thoughts you've got to go. If, if, if you are planning your family's vacation and making sure everything gets in the car. If you have a husband who doesn't make a list for vacation, you know the frustration because you're having to put all that stuff on a list So, because you know he's not going to remember that. 
I'm glad my wife's not here. She's not going to do an amen there. But, but list making can reduce anxiety. Second thing is list making can increase your self-esteem. Now catch this. It can increase your self-esteem. When you go, well, what do you mean? There are people who, who enjoy watching the check marks go off the list. In fact, I'll be honest with you. When, uh, as I make my list and, and the week's getting on, long, I'll look and I'll see all the things I've been able to accomplish. That helps me uh, feel better and feel like I, I'm, I'm getting some things done. So it helps your self-esteem. Third thing they said is list making can help you organize your thoughts. Organize your thoughts. You got a lot to do. And you know it's a busy week. And list making can help you organize your thoughts. I need to get this done in this area. I need to get this done. Uh, list making can help you do that. It helps put your thoughts there. In fact, in my list making in, in the office, I'll, I make a list of things that I need to accomplish. The phone, and then there's another list of phone calls I need to make. There's a list of, of emails that need to be dealt with. So I'll, I'll move my list and work in that regards. And then the fourth thing, list making can encourage you to focus on what matters. For me, this is the, the kicker for me on list. Uh, I make a list um, because if I don't, my focus can go everywhere. Uh, if I if I typically uh, typically I'm trying to make a list on on the, on Monday morning Sunday night kind of thing because I know for me if I don't make that list I'll walk in and lots of other things happen um, and not that not that there are not moments that something can't happen that I I need to refocus but. You'll get phone calls to say, hey, let's go do this. Let's do, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, my week doesn't look that bad. Let's do that. And then I realize, oh, I've not been able to accomplish these things. List making. I, I thought that was interesting because what happens is we tend to make lists so that we can, can focus and be prepared. So are you a list maker? Does it help you prepare yourself? This morning, in Exodus 19, we see God having a conversation with Moses to prepare the people to encounter him. And what happens is they're going to, to have a moment with God at Mount Sinai, and they're going to be able to worship him, but God wants to help them understand what they need to do before that takes place. So he gives Moses a list and says, hey, have the people do this. And the, and the reason is God wants, wants their focus in the right place. Which made me think this week. When it comes to Sunday mornings and worship, Sunday school or Bible study, or Wednesday night Bible study, pastor's Bible study, or our daily devotion. Do we prepare ourselves? Do we prepare ourselves to, to encounter God, or do we just jump in and expect that encounter to happen? Let me ask you. 
And if you're watching us, you could on Facebook or anything say that you can say this is me because I have this issue. When I don't prepare myself for either my quiet time, worship, or or anything else, I get distracted during that time. I get I get distracted with so many other things because I've not prepared myself to encounter God. And that doesn't mean that all the distractions are bad. I mean, I, I can be having my quiet time and all of a sudden something pops in my head. Oh, I need to call this person. I need to think about this person. This person's been in the hospital. This person's, those are not bad thoughts. But what they do is they distract me from what I need to be doing at that moment. Pam used to say for, for years, we'd go to church when I was on vacation and for, for the longest time while I was there, my mind was racing, watching everything else. Seeing how uh, they greet people. Are they, are they a welcoming congregation? How, how do they do in their media? How, how, you know, how does this work for them? How does that? And, and she would say, would you stop evaluating and, and worship? That, that, that was because I didn't prepare my heart for worship. So in Exodus 19, we're going to read verses 5 through 15. And I want you to hear what God says to Moses in their thought process of preparing their heart. So if you have your Bibles, go to Exodus 19. We're going to pick up at verse 5, and we'll read. You'll see the verses here on the screen. It says, Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. In other words, he's already shared with them with, he's already shared those words with Moses. Uh, and Moses is to go to back and tell them. After Moses came back, he summons the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. So he told them everything. And then all the peoples responded together, we will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's word back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you do not go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the, the mountain must be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live, whether animal or human. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them. And they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, 
prepare, be prepared by the third day. Do not have sexual relations with women. So, Moses is having a conversation with God and with the elders of the people. He's, he's hearing from God, I'm going to come. I'm going to come down on a cloud. These are the things you need to do. And the people are responding, we'll do all that, that God tells us. Here's the big idea I want you to catch this morning. When people truly recognize who God is, it is then that they take their relationship with him seriously. When people truly recognize who God is, it is then that they take their relationship with him seriously. So in this text, let me share with you um, three things that we, that we see in the text and learn from the text, and then I want to apply it to your life and to my life today. First thing we, we find is the need to purify yourself, to purify yourself. Now, uh, in the, the text, we read where the word consecrate yourself. Uh, that, that word means to, to purify, to, to make holy. It means making acceptable to be close to God. So, so you have to purify yourself. When we, when we think about this text, we, we see where they are to purify, purify their clothes, purify their relationships. Um, one of the things that we, we have to think about is, is what have our hearts been thinking about? Where are our hearts been? What are we, what are we doing? Are, are there unconfessed sin in our life? Are there things that we need to, to rid ourselves with so that we can encounter God? Moses was telling the people they would wash their clothes. And you think, well, does that mean dirt means that it's evil? No. But if you've ever sat around somebody with, who, who is dirty or, or maybe smells bad, you, you know how, how that can be distracting. So we're going to purify ourselves, clean yourself up. Well, what does it mean? In verse 15, it tells us that, that they were to uh, not have sexual relations. And so does that mean sex is bad? No, that doesn't mean that either. It means that they are to remove themselves from things so that they can get their mind focused on where it needs to be. To get their mind in the right place on God, not on all the other things. One of my dad's best friends I learned several years ago, um, every time they come to the, the, the time and communion at their church, leading up to that, he begins a, a fast a day before. Um, and it's not something he, he brags about, not something he publicizes, but, but his thought process is he wants, to, he wants to put his mind and his focus on remembering on remembering God's great love for, for him. The blood that was shed, the, the body that was broken. And so he removes himself from things that just kind of distracts him. That's what, that's what that idea of purifying means. Removing those distractions and making ourselves acceptable to be close to God. And too many times we, we're living in such a casual relationship uh, world that, that we've taken God to be a casual God. And that's not what we need 
to be about. But we need to, to recognize his holiness, his might, his power. And so we need to remove those impurities from us. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is this, and I'll put it in the NIV because it's the version I learned. It says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Amazing things among you. You want to see God do amazing things among us, then we've got to purify ourselves and make ourselves acceptable to God. We've got to rid ourselves of the, of the sin, of the gossip, of the, of the, the evil thoughts, of the, the things that we do. And present ourselves to God holy, acceptable. The second thing we find in this text is this. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Now it's interesting. When God's giving the instructions to, to Moses, he tells them here in verse 12. He says, put up boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you don't go on the mountain. Or touch its base. And anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. Well, that's a little harsh, don't you think? I mean, anybody who touches the mountain is going to die? Well, I mean, this is, we see this over and over. Uriah catches the, you know, the, the donkey, stumbles, and he puts his hand on the ark, and he dies. Why? In fact, it's interesting, sometimes I'll have people who go, this is why we're not an Old Testament Christian. I'm a New Testament Christian. I just don't think God, I don't think God really means to what, what, what that text says. I don't really think God is that kind of a God who's that, that if they touch something, they should, they should die. And I, I always listen and go, you know, yeah, but Jesus is all about love and grace and kindness and I love Jesus because he died for me. And I always go, well, let's look at Matthew. Well, what does Jesus say in Matthew 29? And this is one of my favorites. There are multiple places we can do this. But if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. In other words, get rid of it. Take it out. Gouge it. Does that seem like a kind, loving person? Jesus says, for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than the whole body be thrown into hell. He goes on. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body go into hell. So you got to protect yourself. So, so we, we look at that and we go, what does he mean here? Well, what's the thought process? Well, here's the, here's the thing. God is a holy God. We recognize God as a holy God, and, and there are moments in which we have to understand. We have to understand what obedience looks like. We have to understand what, what, what judgment looks like. And there are times as parents we understand that we've got to punish our children. We've got to punish them because they have stepped out of line. doesn't mean we love them, but we have to give them tough love. So that they know that there's a difference. That they know what they've done and don't do it again. If you've ever seen a parent who doesn't practice tough love with their children, you quickly realize the child is driving the family. 
several years ago in one of my ministries, I had a, had a, I had a mother struggling with, with her teenage son and she came and, and sought counsel from me and we began to talk through some things. And at one point in the conversation, I said, now, remember, you're the parent. And she said, well, what does that mean? I said, well, you can do, and I began to help her understand what she could do. And I think at, that, at this conversation, it was over her son's cell phone. I said, you can take your son's cell phone away from him. You pay the bill, right? Yes. You can do that. It's at that moment that mother looked back at me and said, but I can't. And I said, well, how come? And evidently she had had a hard time with pregnancy and all. And so she promised God she would, she would love that child and do whatever that child needed. And she said, I can't take his phone away from him. I made a vow to God for this child. And I said, well, well wait a second. You've missed the point. We began to unpack that. Now, that entire ministry, that, that mother struggled with that concept. And, and because of that, that, that young man ran that family. And ran it in a, in a terrible way. We, we don't know all the, the whys of why God would strike somebody down for touching the mountain. It's just, you know, you go, well, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. It's just... They, they crossed the line. They got there. Uriah, the, you know, he's thinking the horse is going to fall. The Ark of the Covenant is trying to protect it. God doesn't need us to protect him. He needs us to be faithful and obedient. And so when he tells us something, we need to do it. So we've got to protect ourselves. He gives us boundaries throughout Scripture in helping us know how to live. He tells us, uh, we, we see what the the Ten Commandments tell us how to live our life, to have no other gods before him. There's, there's a boundary we need to put in our lives to make sure that there is nothing in our life that is greater than God. No sports, no children, no, no hobby, no business, nothing. He goes on with the Ten Commandments. We see Jesus confirming him to love the, God, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor. Throughout Scripture, we find things that we need to be practicing to help protect ourselves. So if you, if you want to encounter God, we've got to purify ourselves, make right the, the sin in our life, confess that sin, but then we've got to protect ourselves thinking about where our eyes go, what our money is spent on, where our time is going. We've got to protect ourselves. We got to put those boundaries in our life so that can happen. The third thing we see from this text is proclaim your obedience. Proclaim your obedience. You want to encounter God, you purify yourself, you protect yourself, but you proclaim your obedience. Look at look at what happens in verse eight again. Then all the people responded, "We will do all that the Lord has spoken." So Moses brought back the people's words back to the Lord. You need to proclaim your obedience to God. You want to encounter God, you do those three things. You, you purify yourself, you protect yourself, but you, you proclaim your obedience to God. God, I want to be faithful. I want to do what you want me to do. I hear this in your word. I see what the scripture teaches 
That's what I want to do. I want to let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. I, I want to love my neighbor. I want to love my inner being. I want to be an encourager. God, I want to be imitator of you. Again, I think we live in a world of casual relationship with God. A, a casual relationship where we we only think oftentimes about God and his and and the good things and and just kind of cute and warm and fuzzy things. We don't see God in a holy, righteous God, an all-powerful, all-knowing. We treat God like, like he's our friend. And yes, Scripture tells us, you know, I'm a friend of God. That, that, that is so true. But not in the sense that our friend across the street where we laugh and tease with or, or the, the co-worker that we, we laugh at the inappropriate jokes or we talk about the inappropriate things. But yet, a holy God. So what, what does that look like for you and I? How do we, how do, can we prepare our heart for worship? How can we prepare our heart to encounter God, whether it's corporately as we get here on Sundays or even privately? So, so here's what I want to do. I want to give you four steps that I think would drastically change our environment in our building on Sunday mornings if we would start practicing these four things. If we would start practicing these things so that we can, can encounter God on Sunday. Because if, if we start encountering God as the body of Christ here at Glasgow, man, this, what a place this would be. Um, Mike Thomason says, and you've heard him say this before, that it only takes two or three of us for God to start moving in a mighty way. And so if, if we could just get a handful of people to walk in here prepared to encounter God and to let God have control, what would that do? So let me give you four things this morning. First one is start preparing your heart on Saturday. Start getting ready on Saturday. Start thinking about, hey, Sunday's coming. Tomorrow's a day of worship. Lord, I can't wait to encounter you tomorrow. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to, to the Bible study hour. I'm looking forward to hearing what the pastor's going to preach on. Uh, start preparing your heart on Saturday. Start thinking about what it is to worship and what it means to encounter God. Start getting yourself and your family in that mindset on Saturday. Don't wait till Sunday to do that. Don't wait till Sunday to, to think about, oh, today's the day that we're going to church. Prepare your heart on Saturday. Prepare, prepare your mind. Get yourself there. Uh, second thing, meditate on Scripture before leaving home on Sunday. Meditate on some scripture before leaving home on Sunday. I, I don't know what your household looks like on Sunday morning. Maybe you're all frantically running around. Maybe, maybe, maybe one of you are ready and not the other one. Maybe uh, both of you are ready. Take time. Listen to some, some uh, worship music. Meditate on scripture. 
Maybe, maybe there's a Bible verse that you've been working on throughout the week. Meditate on that Bible verse that morning. Think through that. Put your mind there on Sunday morning. Put your mind in God's Word, helping you prepare yourself. Again, you can listen to some worship music as well. Put yourself there. Get yourself in the attitude of worship before you leave home. Don't, don't wait till you pull in on this parking lot. Don't wait till you walk in this building. Be ready when you get here. Third thing, get to church early so you're not rushed but ready. Get to church early so you're not rushed but you're ready. You ever rushed anywhere in your life? Running from one spot to another. Um, If you've ever flown through Atlanta Airport, you know sometimes you've got to get from one gate to another, and, and you know, you, you know the, the, the thought process you've got to getting off that plane and getting to, to the other one. And once you get there, it's, it's like the last thing you, need, you want to do. You just want to crash and sit wherever you are because you finally made it. Sometimes we do that. And when, we're in a, when we get to church and we're rushed, we, we get here and, and things are already beginning, whether it's a Sunday school class or worship. And, and what happens is the first little bit, we are so consumed that we finally made it. And when we make it, we, you know, some of us have to make our little nest in our pew or our chair, wherever we are. And, and it just, it takes a lot out of us. Get to church early so you're not rushed. So you get ready to hear and experience what God has. Which leads me to the last one. Jump into worship. Don't delay. Jump into worship. Don't delay. If you can get to church early, you can jump in and, and, you're, and don't delay. And what I mean by that is sometimes we get here and we get, we get ourselves settled and all and we're already into the first song. Greg and the praise team's already leading us through something. And we don't get our mind focused to sing praises unto God until the second or third song. In fact, there are some people who, who get here and they never get themselves into worship until I get ready to preach. They sit in the pew or they stand and, and there is no engagement in worship on their part. There's no engagement because they were either, they were either rushed or unprepared to worship. Let me be careful here. Some will say, I don't engage in worship because I don't like that music. Or that song's not one that I really care for. Or I wish we'd sing something uh, a little more peppier. I th- wish we'd sing something uh, more traditional. Or I think we should sing something more contemporary. Do you realize that in this room, typically there are a large range of opinions when it comes to what we sing. Now hear me carefully. I don't care what we sing. As long as we honor God. As long as the lyrics are biblical and they honor God. Now, do I have a preference? I have a preference just as you have a preference. But when we sing songs that honor God, my preferences go out the window because it's never about me but all about him. And so I want to jump into worship and I want to participate. 
Because worship's not about me. It's not about me getting, getting something out of it. It's about me giving something to a God who loves me. You want to you encounter God? Then how are you preparing yourself? We make lists so that we can get ready and be on top of things. We make lists so that we can stay focused. Maybe today you need to start making a list on the things that you need to do to worship. To purify yourself, to protect yourself, to proclaim God to God your obedience. Maybe, maybe you need to start on Saturday preparing your heart, meditating on Scripture on Sunday morning, getting here early enough that you're not rushed, that you can participate and jump in immediately. When we'll do those things, God's honored. So this morning, let me ask you, if you don't know Jesus, you're never going to be able to worship him. You can talk about him, but you can't worship him. So if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, let me invite you to come to know Christ. If you want to have a conversation to talk more about that, I want to encourage you to do that. Here's how I want you to do it. You can either call or text this number, 270-681-2363. 270-681-2363. Maybe there's another decision on your heart. Maybe there's a prayer concern that you have. 270-681-2363. Use that number. Text that number. Let us know. Let me challenge you next week as we, we, we hope to gather back here in person. Come prepared. And I know some of you are at home, and, and I, I, it's, it's certainly not my prerogative to tell you not to be at home if you think you're at a high risk. You stay home. We want you safe and protected. But if you're going to work, whether it's a small company or a large company. If you're going to stores and restaurants, we just challenge you. You need to come back. Don't be casual in your relationship with God. Don't be casual in how you're taking God. Come back prepared, ready to worship. Just pray with me.